Hello and welcome to the Marvelous Unknown Podcast. I am one of your co-host, Henry. And I am the other co-host, Matthew. Yeah. Uh, and today we're doing the second half of our Star Wars ranking. So we're taking, like, we're just going straight ahead as we were last week, but going to the number one this time. Um, before that, though, um, if you'd like to follow us on Instagram, at Marvelous Unknown Podcast, at the moment we're doing Indiana Jones interview and... Just some random reviews at the same time. Um, and on Twitter, at Cinema Marvelous, we're doing the the same thing, just at Twitter, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you want to get started? We can do. We're back with Star Wars. So we did the bottom half last week. Yeah. And now we're doing the top half. Yeah. Simple, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not that hard. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I can do if you want. Okay. So um, we're with number seven. Yeah. Uh, last time we finished off with um, we both had Rebels at eight. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Um, so my number, my number seven, is the first of the sequel films. Oh, okay. And it is Tross. Okay, that's right. Skywalker. Right. So <laughs> this is it's such a weird film. It is kind of, yeah. <laughs> it's just, I love it. Mm-hmm. And it's really just sort of the first, I don't even know what time frame you'd use, maybe the first hour and a half, maybe? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is like fetch quest type adventure. You know, we've got the, we've got the, the trio plus Chewbacca all together. <laughs> For the first time in the entire entirety of this trilogy, mm-hmm. which I think is probably, I don't have many criticisms of the sequel trilogy. But for us to have one, it's that we don't get enough time with the three of them together. Yeah, I wish that we had like, like the movie was the, the trilogy was them three together and then breaking up and coming back instead of them being broken apart for two movies and then in the final one they're kind of together for a bit of it. Hmm. Yeah, I I understand why they're pretty separate in the first one. Yeah, yeah. But I feel like they should have been. There should have been more more in these second two films that may bond them a bit more. That being said, the stuff we do get between them is pretty great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They have a good dynamic. They have good chemistry. Mm-hmm. I think Poe and Ray have a great sort of opposites kind of dynamic. They have a bit of friction there. Yeah. Um. I, I do I do quite like the joke where they're in the tunnels and Ray uses the lightsaber to illuminate the tunnel. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Poe uses his torch to try and sort of mimic her. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty and funny. Um, and again, it's not... I don't have anything against what happens. I think it's it's still fun. It's well done stuff. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's an entertaining action. Yeah. It just feels... It, it always feels to me that that first half should be something bigger. Yeah, it's not like, a very end of the world, like chapter nine in the saga sort of thing. Mm, no, it's not. It feels like it. It feel, feel it should feel like there's more of a of a stakes to it. Like it should feel like the galaxy on the brink. Yeah, but we're just sort of romping about while some of the uh, some of the lieutenants do the actual resistance part. <laughs> yeah. Uh, back at the base, and um, one of the other sort of criticisms I would have is that um, they do Rose dirty. Oh, definitely. Yeah. 
Rose deserves to have more time in this. I mean, she does get some towards the end in the the excellent part of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, but she she should have more, especially coming off the Last Jedi. I feel like they, I feel like they're chickened out a bit. Yeah, I for me, I I like, I would be, I would be somewhat okay with it if it wasn't if it wasn't for like the actual behind the scenes like bullying that the actress received. Hmm. Like, I would be like, I would, I would kind of like understand that maybe didn't have enough time to have a fourth big character with a big arc. But um, having knowing like the background from like behind the scenes is kind of like, oh, that's just like it's almost like saying everyone that was mean to her was like right to do so. Mm, the same way yeah. Jar Jar Binks was like got his role cut down in the prequels. It's kind of like mm. that, in my opinion, not at all deserved. Like I think that character is great. Um, mm. And I wish, yeah, I wish you got more, definitely. Yeah, I have, um, on the whole for this film, I have a lot of sympathy for Lucasfilm in that with making this one, they did have, they had an impossible scenario. Mm -hmm. They'd received all this backlash from the toxic part of the fandom. Yeah. And do you then have two-year wait for this film? Mm -hmm. In that time... It's just difficult to know what to do. Like, do they? Because because it, I think it's easy to say that the entirety of the Last Jedi criticism was toxic, whereas it's not. Like, like obviously, the, the part that the Kelly Marie Tran received, that really the, the bullying, that part was definitely toxic. Yeah, definitely. But there are, there are parts of the fandom that weren't toxic and just didn't like what they did with Luke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is you know it's completely fair, and for Lucasfilm, I think it's difficult to gauge what percentage of the people that didn't like the film are the people that actually don't like it for a good reason. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty yeah. nice about it. And then you have people that obviously love the Last Jedi, who then became a bit. Some people, some of them became toxic in the other direction. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah. <laughs> And it's an unenviable position Lucasfilm were in. It seemed to be that no matter what they did, they no matter what they did, they'd receive criticism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in the end, they sort of shot down the middle <laughs> and kind of annoyed both sides, but also kind of pleased both sides. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I know that for me, and I'll get to it later, but I know for me that is it's a very movie for me but as someone who loves the last jedi we'll get to that as well <laughs> um it's weird that it's not like no it's not the exact same sort of pace and tone as that film and it even in some people's opinions retcons the, the last jedi in some ways and um, for me I, I never feel that way about it i always feel like it's just a bit just a, any sequel should do which is a new context of the same theme um mm-hmm. and that's like the way I feel about it, and but yeah, I can I can totally see like people either who loved the Last Jedi or hated it, or even loved or hated the Force Awakens, or like feel a bit pissed off on the side of it wasn't a like a clear continuation, and it wasn't, and it was kind of like a like a backward step, but it mm. wasn't at the same time because I think the movie has like quite like big balls. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> yeah, because I don't think it's a safe movie whatsoever. But I think if you ask any 
Last Jedi like fan, they will say that it is uh, like kind of a safe by by numbers movie. And I would say that even though it has a very much a MacGuffin centered plot and it's very much a less kind of slow and methodical than the Last Jedi was, I don't think at all it's a it's like a safe movie whatsoever. Like at all. Like I mean by the I mean the sense that so many people got pissed off at so many so many the decisions to tell you that it's not a safe movie <laughs> as a sequel and like um so yeah, I find that criticism hard to understand. The fact that it's, I get that it's a bit nostalgic and like a bit like wink and nod at some sort of things. But like, for me, for the past like, ever since the Return of the Jedi came out, even the prequels, they're always going to be a bit nostalgic and a bit wink and nudge sort of like, this is what happened before and we're going to do it again, but a bit different. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's the way I feel about it anyway. Yeah, um, yeah. and nothing like people said that it was, you know, like you said, it was overly nostalgic. I mm-hmm. feel like they were a little, they were they were quite restrained in the the actual fan service parts. I I would agree. Yeah, like you think... have you have the voices appear at the end to her, but at yeah. the end of the day, that's that's what they are. They're just voices. There's it's literally a twenty thirty second section of all the people saying various things, and then you only have you have like one scene with Luke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel like given what people were saying in the build-up to it, that's really restrained compared to what they could have gone for. I mean, I'm pretty sure that in Return of the Jedi, Obi-Wan gets more time in that film than Luke gets in this one. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's probably true. Um, And I think even then, with like, even with Luke's one scene, it's not like him becoming the hero again in some sort of like, remember the Luke of old and how great he was. It's more like, him coming across and finally getting the the ship out of the or, or out of the ocean and handing it to the next generation and like saying like you going you're going to go through some troubles but like we've all been through it in some way and that's the destiny of being a human being is facing fear and like the fact that he does that and it's not his story at all really is kind of like I think it's the most impressive that this third film in the trilogy that's ending the entire saga isn't like. Or remember the first episode of Coruscant, and then remember when we went to this planet and this planet. Mm. I mean, it this ends with um, Tatooine, and that's it, really. Um, other than that, it's entirely kind of built upon new new character dy- dynamics and new character arcs, and, and Rare having to deal with like the past coming back. Even like the whole story is fighting the past to go away <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, it's a yeah. I just don't understand the criticism that it's a fan service movie because mm. I can I can totally get my head around someone not liking it because it's a bit too plot like MacGuffins and too much, too fast and too not enough like store time and too many apparent retcons. Uh, but I can't get my head around it being a fan service sort of thing at all. Mm, no, neither can I. In fact, in some ways, it goes the complete opposite direction and perhaps. Introduces a little too much new stuff. Yeah, that's true. In some yeah. regards, I mean, I, I wouldn't necessarily say it as a massive criticism, but you know, you have Exegol, you have Palpatine Return, you have a lot of stuff in there that's actually quite new. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's an odd thing. Um, and moving on to, I think that the the <clears> final <throat> fifty minutes, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Is 
it's god tier Star Wars. It's perfect. Yeah, it's I would agree. Um, and one one of the things I've, I've said to you in the past, I think I mentioned it on my review when we did it on the Instagram. It's that the way I see these these films is that the original trilogy is sort of it's the story of like rising up and fighting back the darkness, you know, restoring balance to the force. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. the prequels were about how the light fell and how the darkness became unbalanced and how it took over. Yeah. And then this film, this is trilogy, even the sequel trilogy, is all about maintaining the balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel that's a really good way of understanding it. As well as thinking that the prequels are about the mistakes that were made. Mm-hmm. The original trilogy is about fixing those mistakes, and the sequel trilogy is about learning from the mistakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would definitely agree. And I think, um, and we, one of the, one of the things that I think best represents that is when like people come out of light speed and they join them in the fight, which is the complete opposite of what people did you know, in the prequels and to some extent the original era, where you have people sort of let yeah. Palpatine take control. Yeah. It's, it's. I think it's whether it's been done on purpose or not. I would argue that it was done on purpose. But I do think having a sequel trilogy that is about maintaining the balance and tr- not falling back onto like old mistakes. It has like a lot of grey area in Star Wars. That I don't think it was there previously. Like I mm-hmm. think I think before the sequels, it was very much dark versus light, and at the end, the light won. But the idea that you have to preserve like some sort of foundation of like the balance can get unbalanced again. Like Anakin even says in his little voice cameo that bring balance like the way I did, like like I did in the past. Like it can mm. get it's not just you fix it once and it's fixed forever. Um it requires like people to be active and it requires an entire that the galaxy to come and actually do something this time around. Because mm. as much as I as much as I always find Return of the Jedi's ending to be very like happy and very much like fulfilling, it is interesting going back now knowing that it was more like a very small resistance did a very great thing, and then from then on they kind of fumbled the ball because no one really cared as much as they did, and it it took like decades of like mistakes happening again for people to realize that they like everyone needed needed to do something. Um, and Luke need, needed to be the whole myth and story to get everyone out of that like apathy of doing nothing. Um, and I feel like it adds a lot of grey area to Star Wars, and I feel like it makes it a bit more deep than just what it used to be. And I don't think it mm. I don't, it was deep, but it wasn't like light versus good, and then good wins, and then that was it. <laughs> um, I think it's a bit better having it this way. Uh, the idea that it can. It can change. It, it requires like people to actually do things, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Um, and speaking of that, I, I found it really interesting. One of the things that was mentioned in the last episode of The Mandalorian, mm-hmm. which you know is is weird considering when we recorded the first part of this, the first episode came out, and now we're recording this one after the second one's come out. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that they this isn't really a spoiler. I suppose it is, kind of. Mm-hmm. But when 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 Mando gets saved by the two X Wing pilots. Yeah. Um they they let him go because one of them says these are these are trying times or something like that. Mm-hmm. Which I feel like yeah. it's a it's a throwaway line. Yeah. 
but it it has like an implication that I I would really like to explore from this era, in that the Republic, the New Republic are trying to build something and trying to maintain order, but they're struggling. Yeah, yeah. Which is something that I you know obviously it's something that's the fallout of which is dealt with in the sequel trilogy that it wasn't all plain sailing because mm-hmm. yeah. I think we all like you said we all had the assumption that everything was fine and dandy after the Death Star blew up everyone everyone went home and was happy forever yeah and with this you sort of have you have an element of well the story the story doesn't end when the credits roll mm-hmm. for those yeah, characters def- the story goes on mm-hmm and I feel like that's even more empathise when um, Ray takes the two sabers and puts them into like the ground as like some sort of like respect and like a respectful uh, pilgrimage sort of thing, and mm. then gets a new saber that is entirely her own and like proclaims herself to be a part of that lineage and like taking it forward. And mm. that for me, for me, that's like an ending that implies more stories to come but like we don't need need to see it but it's kind of like this is the ending note of this trilogy and i think that's important for the entire saga the idea that it doesn't just stop where we end like where we leave it um so i think is a really interesting way of doing an entire saga of just like we are seeing nine episodes of it and then we're going to not see any more of it but there is more and we probably will see more but I think it's a much better idea doing it that way, and I'm happy mm. that like the trilogy happened at all, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, and touching on that again, I, I, I think that Ray Nobody is an amazing idea. Yeah. But I also like Ray Palpatine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think for what it represents, um, I'd have been happy either way. Basically, that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I remember J.J. Abrams said at the time is that it still it doesn't wreck on The Last Jedi because at those two points where she finds out her heritage at those two points it's the worst possible thing she can hear oh definitely like yeah. she, in The Last Jedi she spent the whole film with Luke and she's wanting to know who her parents are and she, she hopes that her place is among these legends and these heroes Mm-hmm. And she wants to she wants to help basically, and then to hear that she's a nobody, she doesn't have that significance. She's not one of the heroes and one of the legends. That's the worst thing she can hear at that point. Whereas leading this in trust when she's leading this rebellion, this resistance, mm-hmm. and she's finally she's finally starting to come to terms with who she is. Like you see that at the start with the training. Yeah, she seems to be finding some sort of peace to find that. You know, her heritage lies with the greatest evil that's ever ever known. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the opposite. That's the worst. Of yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the worst thing she can hear. Then, so for me, it works. And, and I, I love, I love the line of you know, some. I think it off the line. I can't remember the line exactly, but it's something like some things are stronger than blood. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. Yeah, in the the one Luke scene, essentially. Mm. I definitely agree that. Uh, and I also think it's interesting that the two times that we hear um, Rhea get like told what her lineage is, whether it's nobody or Palpatine, it's told not 
from her is told to her by Kylo. It's mm-hmm. like, so I always like put it like it's him at two points in their sort of relationship trying to manipulate her into joining him. And mm-hmm. his first, his first way was saying, "You are no one," and but with me, you could be someone. And the second time is like saying, "You are destined to, to literally be with me and like be." The Empress and all that sort of stuff. It's it's just trying to manip- like manipulate, yeah, manip- yeah, manipulate her in any way possible. Um, and I think it's amazing that we're like, and I think it does break Ray down quite a lot. And I feel like she goes through the most emotional kind of, just like up and down sort of like what's happening um, as a character. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like by the end, having her finally herself say who she is, um, Ray Skywalker, it's not just like a really great moment for like the fact that the Skywalker lineage lives on through actual um, ideals rather than bloodline. It's also just like she's finally saying who she is and she knows and she's proud of it compared to everyone telling her who she is and her being ashamed of it because mm. of what from her. Um, yeah, I just love that the idea of her finally having her own say in her in her life. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, one of the things that also comes up for me is that when, when we talk about The Force Awakens, which, which we obviously we will do later, mm. um, one of the key things and how Rey works in that film is that she's like an avatar. Mm-hmm. Like for people that grew up with the original Star Wars stories, seeing somebody who grew up with the legends of Luke Skywalker and you live through her and it works really effectively. Yeah. Also, her proclaiming she's a Skywalker works really well with that as well in that you know, we're, we choose to be the heroes. You know, we watch these films because we want to feel that. Mm-hmm. And it, I think it works really well in that sense as well, continuing and paying off that Avatar-like property that Ray has. Yeah. And also, I think that um, in Daisy Ridley and Adam Driver, Star Wars has probably two of the, the two best actors it's ever had. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I think... There's a very strong case for that, and they, and they, even if there's not that much on the page sometimes because of the fast-paced nature of Tross, mm-hmm. the actors are able to, to smooth it out. I think. Yeah, definitely. I feel like just with um, out of drivers like face acting <laughs> alone, like mm-hmm. it communicates so much that the script sometimes doesn't do as well. Because mm-hmm. I think it's only if that you can only use like if you're the director and you are mm-hmm. writing down dialogue, like in the prequels where you're saying to the audience how you're feeling, um, it's a gift to have someone like Adam Driver or Daisy Ridley and or John Boyega and just have them say it, like, just tell them what sort of, like, eye movement to make to communicate so much without having to, like, like tell the audience what they're feeling. Mm, it's, yeah. yeah, I feel like a lot of these films relies upon their performance and you interpreting that their performance compared to the prequels where it was a lot of just talking <laughs> about how good, like how great friends we are <laughs> sort of thing um yeah do you want to move on <laughs> yeah we can do we talked quite a while about that one 25 minutes now <laughs> um yeah so my number seven is return of the jedi um okay. yeah so i think out of the next this top half these are all films that i just really really like but I think Return of the Jedi is probably the weakest one for me. 
as in the sense that I don't I don't find myself wanting to watch it as much as the the other ones on the list going forward because I feel like it's a very good end. I feel like it's when you get to that last similar to trust, it's like when you get to that last half an hour, it's like it's kinda of like, oh, we're being building towards this and we're finally actually seeing it. And it's yeah. like handled very, very well. Like it's clear from the get go of the last forty minutes that this is the part that they were waiting to get to, and this is the part where the director was most in tune with what he was doing. Um, but I feel like I feel like it's very solid as, as like an adventure. Like for uh, before that, like it's it starts out with the rescue of Han, which I feel like it's a very well done sequence. I feel like it builds tension really well, and it escalates, and then it has like a really a really great sort of like Saturday morning flash golden feel to it that I don't <laughs> feel. Like the, the whole fight um, on John, John, uh, what do you call him? Watch. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Jabba. Jabba. That entire sequence is very much. I think it's the most. It's probably the most like Saturday morning serial that I think stars has ever been. There's something about that sequence to me, which is, which is just so. Like this could be a TV show, and I could be enjoying just just like like this is much in the same way, but. I feel like it should shouldn't be that. Like I enjoy it for being that, but having it be at the time as well, like the ending of the saga, and having it be so kind of I don't I I it's I mean it's weird to say fun because it's a good type of fun and this franchise is always fun in some way. Like it's always built upon being made for children kind of action adventure. Criticizing mm-hmm. it for being fun's a weird thing, but I feel like having the twist from Empire, and then coming into this one, and having so much of, but not de- not really that much dedicated to exploring Luke as a character, um, and then having really only one scene with Yoda, and then kind of just, I don't, we're kind of planning the battle for the rest of the movie before the battle actually happens. Um, and again, I don't hate the walks. It's a similar thing to Jar Jar, but a bit less of like, I get why you could hate them, but I don't. I just feel like they're 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 holding the movie back. <laughs> like I, whenever I, whenever there's a scene where the Ewoks are the prime, the prime focus of like we're introducing the Ewoks, I always go, but why are we doing this? <laughs> <laughs> I really, I really love the ideas behind it of like the the idea that you don't need technology to, in order to win. Like you see the you see heart and spirit and ingenuity. You don't need like technology and a big star destroying. Mm-hmm. Um, I get that, and I really think it's a really great theme that lasts throughout the entirety of Star Wars. Um, but having them there, and having them just awkwardly like be cute with Leia, and then try and kill Luke and Han and C-3PO, and then have like some wacky hijinks where C-3PO becomes some sort of like god to to them, it's like it, it's all very fun and it's all very sweet, and it's like. But it feels like it should be like in that middle set in that middle section of a new hope of like when Leia, Han and Han and Luke are meeting for the first time, of them like getting out of a die situation and having like these character building moments of just becoming friends through almost like escaping death. Um mm, yeah. having it in the third film in the middle and we're kind of for the most part ignoring all the drama and conflict in Luke. And even with Hannah and Leia, who, in my opinion, as much as people go on about um, Finn and 
and even to a certain extent Paul in the Rise of Skywalker having nothing to do as a character, I feel like it's much, much more apparent that Han and Leia have nothing to do in Return of the Jedi, and I totally, totally understand Harrison Ford asking to be asking to be killed in this movie, just to have because like just to have any sort of like emotional kind of impact on the movie, because like they they rescue Han, Han and Leia are cute romantic, but we don't see their relationship really progress that much, and. The most that comes out of it is like a weird misunderstanding where Han thinks that Leia loves Luke as like a like a romantic partner instead of like a sibling, mm-hmm. and it's all kind of, it's all kind of just weird and awkward and like at the end when Leia says, "Oh no, he's my brother," and Han goes, "Oh, that's okay." It's kind of like well, that's just that's just weird. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, that's just weird. Number two. That conflict wasn't that deep to begin with, so I, I don't really care about seeing this. <laughs> like, it's like a misunderstanding that you have with someone on the way to the shops. <laughs> you know, mm. it's like I don't really understand their whole thing going on. I don't really understand the entire the Ewok side of it all and the the fun adventure side of it all. But I do have fun with that fun, and mm. I love the last forty minutes. Where I mean, it's been talked to death by how many by so many people about a really great ending to a film is the end of Return of the Jedi because you have you have three sets of actions, like plane of actions, where every single action that ha- happens informs the second plane of action or the third plane of action. So whether it's Emperor and Luke or or um, or uh, the starships and um, Lando um, or Han and Leia on the ground, they all impact each other in some way. So I, I think like that last what it means is a perfect example of Star Wars being like groundbreaking, sort of like genre-defining, sort of structuring and character beats. But other than that, I find it to be mostly kind of a, kind of a retread in, as well of the New Hope in some ways. And then it kind of just goes, oh, we'll we'll end the saga here, <laughs> sort of thing. Um, would you agree with any of that? <laughs> um, yeah, I think very similar to Tross, it has that sort of wacky hijinks aspect to it mm-hmm. and that it's a sort of a little adventure to cleanse the palate yeah um and as such it no it doesn't necessarily have the same weight i think part of my view of this film is tainted by like a sense of watching it as a kid mm. and being in awe and that's never left me like star wars is one of the things i mean obviously we're doing a ranking where we're thinking a bit more critically about them mm-hmm. Star Wars is one of the things I find incredibly difficult to criticise. <laughs> yeah. Mainly because it's just so fundamental, so fundamentally there in my mind. Mm-hmm. Like it's a part of my childhood. It's a part of, it's part of my happiness, basically. Yeah, <laughs> um, it, it's it's there, and I for that reason I, I'm willing to admit almost any problem with a Star Wars film. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And perhaps because of that, that's probably why, in my ranking, Return of the Jedi is a bit higher. Yeah. Um, like, like you said, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy that fun. I have fun doing it. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Like I said, my mind's a little higher. I'll probably talk a little bit more about exactly why it's higher when, when we get there. But just sort of, as you've said, it's probably not in the top section because 
it doesn't feel like it has that concise weight for all the characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just mainly Luke's journey, and most of the other stuff is takes like a B and C role. <laughs> yeah. In a way. Um, but yeah, like you said, the, the action sequence at the end is great. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Lots of a fight. Goodness. Real goodness. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I also find that the, the, in some ways, the fastest pace of the first three movies. Amazing. Um, it covers a lot of ground. Yeah. I find often whenever I see someone who isn't a fan of Star Wars and hasn't really watched them, I always find that whenever they've watched them for the first time, they always tend to like Return of the Jedi the most because it's, it was the most kind of, I guess, upbeat sort of like um, storytelling in the sense that it's a bit faster and a bit more in tune with like our modern sort of like how a movie kind of clicks you know it's kind of a it kind of works a bit faster than return um a new hope and empire so i can kind of understand that but for me it's a bit it's a bit less of a like a meaning meaningful experience and a bit less of a it's like actual storytelling kind of it's i don't know how you put it because i feel like a lot of people say this but i think it's very true that a new hope and Empire Strikes Back are a lot like lightning in a bottle sort of sort of things of like perfect structure, perfect characters, like perfect mm. effects and like it's kinda of like a weird thing when you go to Return of Jedi, a very, very good movie and kinda of going, but it's not lightning in a bottle quite like the first two were. <laughs> it's just that sort of thing really. Um mm. for me. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to move on? We can do. Okay. Uh my number six my number six is the Clone Wars. Oh, same. Same. We both got it. Both yeah. got it placed number uh, six. Um, so yeah, this it's a really weird one again. Yeah. Because I I, I remember this coming out when I was in school. Mm-hmm. Um, I did. I, I think I watched the first few series, but the Cartoon Network wasn't particularly reliable. Like you get you get up and you watch it in the morning and. You end up watching the same one over and over again. Every morning in the show. I can remember, I must have seen the, um, you know, when we were first in the first episode with like Heavy and Echo and Fives. They're on like a base on the moon, protecting mm-hmm. Camino. It's the first episode with the commando droids. Yeah, I know about that. Rex yeah. and Cody. I must have seen that before school. And not the full thing, by the way. Because of how far we were away from the school, mm. I would have to leave at like quarter past. Right, yeah. So I'd always see the first half of that episode. <laughs> Unless you we were in the car. If we were in the car, it would be, we'd set off about 25 past. <laughs> so <laughs> I'd only miss the first five minutes. But <laughs> I must have seen the first half of that episode yeah. about 10 times. Mm-hmm. And then, meanwhile, there were, <laughs> meanwhile, there were episodes like the General Grievous one, which I'd never seen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, it's sort of, again, it's part of my childhood, but I watched them all recently. Um, where, in fact, I watched them all when Disney Plus came out here in the UK. Yeah. Uh, binged my way through them in order to, you know, be there and experience the final arc as it came out mm-hmm. but a bit, a bit like you know hi, hijacking the fun 
Yeah. Um, and it's, I would say it's a very mixed show. There are some arcs which are quite boring. I think I only skipped one arc. Oh, really? Um, but, but I think it was another the fifth season because time was getting tight. <laughs> you know, yeah. The final arc was coming. <laughs> How to get to How it? How to make up time? I think I skipped the one with it's with C three P and R two D two, and like they get stuck underground or something. It's got whenever, wolf in it. Whenever I saw that there was going to be a, a C three P or R two D two episode, I would always skip them. <laughs> <laughs> I think I watched one of them and I realized that these droid ones are this wacky hijinks and I don't really need them in my life. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's them and the political ones. Yeah, there's a few of those ones, like Padme in the Senate doing stuff. Yeah, so yeah. we're going to uncover a plot and I'm sorry, I'm thinking, yeah, but it's not the plot, is it? It's not the big one, is it? <laughs> <laughs> you're not going to you're not going to uncover the plot. Yeah. It's like one of the one of the things in Rebels, which is um, they're on Geonosis or something and they discover the like they're looking like it's where the Death Star used to be built, mm-hmm. and one of the Geonosians is like drawing this sign. It's like the Death Star, and you're looking at it thinking that's the Death Star. Mm-hmm. And then the you, that the character I think is the Rex and Ezra and a few a few others. I think, Sol, I think Sol Guerrero is there as well. Oh, and you're watching them sort of try and discover the Death Star, but you've got in the back of your mind they're not going to find it. Yeah, because they yeah. didn't find out until Rogue One. <laughs> yeah, so you just true. think you're so close. Yeah, and I think for a lot of that through the Clone War, you're thinking, yeah, there's this tension, but we all know that you're not going to find out. Yeah, you're not going to, you're not going to really do anything, are you, about this whole thing? <laughs> so one one exception to that is the Fives arc, mm, and you get yeah. emotion from that because the emotion comes from why he doesn't tell the others. Yeah, like the tragic irony about the whole thing. Like, we know what's coming. Mm, and he, he, he can't do it in time. Yeah. Like, part of it comes from the fact we know he's not going to be able to tell them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I think that plays a part. And also, the first few seasons are quite kid friendly. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then, once you get to Umbara arc, you know, we're in, we're in Band of Brothers territory. <laughs> yeah. Um, if I was a kid, that would be genuinely harrowing. Oh, definitely. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm watching that as a... I mean, technically, I'm, I'm an adult, but mentally, I'm not. But <laughs> I, I'm watching that and thinking, I have no idea what is going on. <laughs> and that, and that, that, that's like a positive attribute I find for most war films. Like, oh. You know it's a good war film if you have no idea what's happening. Yeah, there's a lot of loud noises and like, oh... <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, you have you have arcs like that which are they're, they're not they're not just like a wacky hijinks for the sake of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a story there, and they're fleshing out a part of the world. Like I always enjoyed the ones with with Rex. Yeah, I think yeah. one of the highlights in the first season for me, I think it's the first season, is when Rex gets injured and he's stuck with a clone deserter. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not—it's not one of the show's best episodes, but I think it's an interesting one. Yeah, it's one that's kind of like it would happen in a a show made for adults. If that makes sense, because it isn't really like a high action um, adventure thing. That episode. No, it's um, not. Yeah, mm. I feel like it's 
it's a weird TV show because I know, like, when I look at the entire, like, six seasons, seven seasons, I kind of just, like, go, well, there's a lot in there that I just don't have any affection for. Mm. But the ones I do, the ones that I do love, I really, like, really love. Um, and I will go back to them forever. <laughs> like, there are some arcs in there, like, generally, there's, like, top tier out of the entire franchise. Um, and I think having, like, I think it, it like does that thing that I feel it is like it's a weird show in the sense that it's kinda of like the fans getting what they want for an entire seven season so. Like mm. we all wanted to see the Clone Wars and we all wanted to see Darth Maul return and we all wanted to see Anakin and Obi Wan be a bit more friendly to each other. Um and it's kinda of like filling in the gap by doing all those things we thought the movies were going to do. Mm-hmm. Um and I think especially that in, that happens with Darth Maul. And having him not only become, not only not only come back and be a cool villain, but also have like an actual character to him who's a bit like in a really like conniving and evil way, kind of like pathetic <laughs> in a lot of ways. Mm. He's he's kind of like a little rat <laughs> in the whole in the whole pyramid of like Sith whatever. He's kind of like the little rat that just won't go away, and it's it's so like you, you don't feel bad for him, but you definitely feel like. Oh, like give him one thing, like <laughs> give, give him a friend, maybe. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I feel like that's what the show does best when it's at its best, which is, which is like add a lot of character and depth and meaning to otherwise background sort of decorations. So like the clones become actual characters. Darth Maul is a real character. Mm. Anakin even get to be better characters. Um, Ahsoka and, and Rex especially. Are the highlights highlights of the entire show, and mm. they, they they essentially become the main characters of the show in a lot in a lot of ways. Um, and yeah, I feel like Ashoka definitely is a big example of just have inputting something that didn't need to be there, but having it there added so much to the entire story, <clears throat> and it makes the mm. it's downfall of Anakin a bit a bit more somber in the sense that he did he did have like a. Some uh, kind of a child in a lot of ways, like a little sister maybe. Yeah. Um, you looked up to him, um, and having them, having them. I mean, the final arc, especially when like they don't see each other ever again, and you see their final meeting of each other when they're Anakin and Ahsoka. It's so melancholy <laughs> because they just they just don't know, but you know, <laughs> and it's so <Yeah>. sad. <laughs> I think the, the the final arc does do that very well. Stuff like. You know, but they don't know. Yeah. For example, yeah. the piece of music they use in the the sixty six episode. Mm, yeah. I, I saw a lot of comparisons. It's like a very Blade Runner. I saw a lot of people say that. Yeah. Like an yeah. electronic, monotone <laughs> score, which is so haunting. You know, and it's there for about ten minutes straight, and you're thinking, "Oh my god." Yeah. I'm, I'm shitting it. Yeah. What's going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I remember that same feeling. Of, you know what's going to happen because, like, we've seen. Not only is, have we seen the movie, like it's like it's like a known fact of like this franchise that at some point the clones aren't good anymore. <laughs> we all know this. Like, it's a good fact that we all know. And like having that synth choir electronic music behind as as a, a soldier on the ship going home with Maul, like we've won the war essentially. Like, it was a high point in a lot of ways, like, because just before that, Obi-Wan says, oh, we've killed Count Dooku, 
and like we know that that's not a good thing. But, <laughs> and they're like, oh, but I think the war's over. <laughs> like, no, the war's not over for a good like twenty years. <laughs> you're not even gonna uh, see. You're not even gonna live to see it end. Not yeah, Obi Wan. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, it's such a sad franchise when you think of. About it. <laughs> and the same with that tragic, like you're thinking about Maul, that's such a tragic character. Mm, yeah. I remember yeah. in the previous episode, something you said that was really great was um, you mentioned that, like, in, in, in within the story, there's the fact that, in, in particular in the Siege of Mandalore arc, Maul says that he was meant to be the great Sith Lord that took over. Mm. He was meant to be Darth Vader. Yeah. And then something you said in one of the the prequel episode was that that reflects real life as well. Yeah, that Maul yeah. was meant to be like the big bad of the prequel trilogy, mm-hmm. and the way it reflects that perhaps adds a bit to Maul. Mm-hmm. And again, and like you said, it just adds stuff that you don't necessarily need to be added, but when you do add it, it makes it really special. Yeah, like you don't you don't have to personalize the clones. You don't you have to yeah. have. Yeah, you don't have to have like Rex, who's the 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 best clone, and that he, he has a, a personality and he has the most discernible personality, and you actually like him. Like you've seen the stuff he's gone gone through for the entirety yeah. of the of the Skywalker saga. You don't need to see that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's nice to have a Padawan for Anakin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you don't need to develop it yet. It does. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah, because of that, that idea that you want to flesh out the world, you have, in Rex and Ahsoka, you have two of Star Wars' best characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think that um, it's kind of like a, it's a weird show, and I think it's it's kind of like a it's a boiling down of what Star Wars is as a franchise of, of like, I feel like that the meaning and the personal sort of attachments towards the franchise is always in like some sort of like fluid state of every year that goes by the entire meaning kind of changes because like going back to if you were to live in the 1980s and 90s you would have a very particular view of this franchise it would have one very particular meaning um but if you go back to 2005 it had a completely different meaning by that point um and even now every with every year we're getting new tv shows and new movies it's the meaning and mythology and all this has just a bit like it's always expanding in some way um, in ways you just didn't know you even wanted to have like in there. Because I remember kind of, it's kind of the famous thing that when Ahsoka was in- introduced, everyone hated her and everyone hated the, the idea that cl- the clones were going to be actual characters and everyone hated the idea of Darth Maul getting thrown down a shout. Which is fair enough, but um, I feel like it's always like Star Wars is always a weird thing where uh, not only are our opinions always changing because I mean the prequels were hated and now they're kind of like loved. Um, same thing with the sequels in some ways and in the originals even in that way. Um, it's always like in a fluid way, in a fluid motion of like people's opinions and the actual mythology and the context is always changing and <laughs> it's always changing and I feel like this is what Star Wars does best is what's just adding depth constantly that you didn't know you needed to be there. Um, and Clone Wars is probably the best example of that, of like unneeded depth, but it is there to be there, and it is really fun to watch and really engaging. Mm. Uh, yeah. 
yeah, I think there's sometimes the best thing comes from when a creator wants to add something to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, these characters exist because there's a story to tell and somebody wanted to tell it. Yeah, it's not that just done good. for the sake of oh, we need an episode, whatever. Yeah, we need yeah. to do another film. No, it wasn't like that. It was oh, we want to do the Clone Wars and we want to have these characters. Yeah, and like Star Wars has the privilege of having directors and artists and creators that are that were like brought up on the franchise. Mm. So like when they come in and tell a new story, not only are they actually experienced storytellers, but they are there's like a genuine like foundational like love of the entire saga really mm. uh, which is always like a good place to start from <laughs> uh, which is nice yeah yeah do you want to move on to number five uh yeah so i go first like for number five uh you can do okay so my number five i think this is going to be somewhat controversial because it means that the ones i've got coming up next are definitely unpopular opinions <laughs> um mm-hmm. number five for me is a new hope Oh, yeah. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So I love this movie a lot. I really do. And I think it's like I said before, a bit of like a lightning in a bottle sort of situation, mm-hmm. where not only is it a groundbreaking film for many, many reasons, but it's also like forty, fifty years later now, like still really engaging and really fun, and like the mall for which all blockbusters would try to copy and not really do as well that many times um and i think it's a in a lot of ways like it's a kind of a perfect movie um for what it's going for it's a very much a perfect movie of like visuals and music and characters and structure it's all like working in sync completely at all times um like i watched it recently um going up to i think it was dryer sky I walk out leading up to and it was like one of those things where I was like wow this is still so good <laughs> like it's it shouldn't be this good and it, it is and I think um yeah I think the only thing that keeps me from putting it higher is the fact that I know that it's not the deepest of all the Star Wars and I know that for me personally it's not the main reason that I love the franchise like getting into the reasons that I do love it is because of the... It's kind of weird, actually. The reason I do love the franchise for a lot of for a lot of it is because of the weird sort of up and down kind of... People hate the prequels and love them, but there's also a lot of depth to, like, you found in there. Also, the sequels, there's a lot of up and down opinions on that. Um, and New Hope, I feel like, is very much... People love it. It's the start of the franchise. It's very much a miracle that it even happened. Um, and has has got some really good, like mythology underneath it all um and i do think it worked extremely well but i don't know there's something to me more like a bit more alluring about the more controversial ones and a bit like there's something a bit like i don't know i just love the fluid nature of star wars how it's always changing meaning and i feel like this is a good starting point and off the entire franchise but i just there's something about all the other ones going forward from here that I just find a bit more kind of, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm, like, I'm just drawn to them for some reason um, a bit more. But I love this film a lot and I watch it often. And just, I am never, there's never a second wasted in this movie. I think that's very important to mention. Like, I, I always, um, 
I always find it really interesting that the movie starts out in this really like meticulous way of like obviously it kind of starts out with a big action sequence, but it also goes from that to having two droids that we've just met for the first time on apparent on apparently a planet that's made out of sand. Um, these two droids, one can't talk, one just beeps. The other is like a butler, but not really, but also kind of like a bit of a dick. This other one. <laughs> um, when they are walking, they don't even go with each other. They go two separate ways. And then little little baby brown cloak-wearing things kidnap one of the droids, and we go into a big, a big little sand crawler. Do we know the name? What's sand crawler? Like, 1997, 1977. <laughs> the fuck's a sand crawler? Um, <laughs> it's incredible for all that sort of, like, bonkers stuff that I feel like we can't kind of like take for granted now, like looking at the franchise because mm-hmm. it's not like this bonkers thing in this in this franchise. And I always kind of, kind of, I can't help but I can't help but laugh a lot when people say that Star Wars should be really dark and really grounded and gritty because, like, it, I mean, it it just shouldn't be. Like, it should be this sort of like you go into a katina, a katina, um. And some, there's like a devil in the corner and a goat man and a tarantula. <laughs> three, three like wild-eyed aliens playing the saxophone for some reason. Like I, mm. I mean, this is Star Wars, and I feel like saying that it should be so darker or should be more serious, a bit more somber or whatever. It's kind of like, yeah, do that. You can do that, but don't forget. This is just a fucking nuts world. <laughs> a galaxy that's fucking like wild. Um, I mean, my favorite moments from this franchise sometimes just come from an alien in the background doing something really weird. Um, I mean, one of my favorite moments in the saga is just you know, in The Last Jedi when we go to the Canto Bite and it's just one. I mean, there's a few aliens that I love, like the Leprechaun, but also the um, the uh, there's this one that's kind of like an opera singer, like a weird. A weird, weird, weird opera singer, and for a moment the camera just stops on her, and she just sings directly into camera, and like, hey, this is really cool. This is just really funny. <laughs> I just really like this. Um, I just love the dumb shit in Star Wars a lot, and I wish there was more of it. Because <laughs> this film is just so, it's so bonkers, and it's yeah. but also heartfelt, you know. Mm. Yeah. Sometimes like it just feels like an excuse to do some weird shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I kind of miss that in some of the, because obviously people have grown up with the franchise and they don't want to, some people don't want to admit that it's a bit silly, which it is. I would, won't lie, it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I feel like, I feel like if you're just going to ignore the parts that make this so full of character and so full of imagination and so full of heart and craftsmanship as well for the all of the cost and you're kind of ignoring a pretty big foundational element of why it works so well of just consistently being so bewildering like a good example that i didn't really think about until my last rewatch was we see the death star and it lasts for like two seconds this shot of the death star but like imagine seeing it for the first time what the fuck is that like what is the death star <laughs> Like it's it's mental how it's so crazy how they just go this this is a thing that exists move on <laughs> so many times um, yeah 
I just love this film a lot. And I think it's, I feel like the main reason I love it is because of it's just madness that it has like in it. Um, but also the characters that are just really well handled um, and are iconic in their own right. And yeah, this is this is a great film. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a really special film to me. Um, it's in my top two. Yeah. So you know, I'm not all bitty. Put it fifth. <laughs> um, <Still look. laughs> it's just for me. It has such a magical quality of this is the original story, mm-hmm. yeah. and it's not. It's not, and the best thing is that it's not. I don't think of it that way because I sense some nostalgia. I think of it that way because this is the origin point of something special. Yeah, yeah. Like, at the heart of this whole universe is the idea that at the end of the day, we all just want to go on an adventure. Yeah. And that is something that that exists at the core of why I want to watch films. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it just speaks to me on that level. Like we we we're, we're all Luke Skywalker. Yeah, just and we want we want that adventure. Yeah, the fact that the main character in this entire mad, weird, bonkers film is like a farm boy who can't leave home because of work. <laughs> you know, like that's like a great, great way of doing a character that wasn't really done that much before. Like if you did a sci-fi story before this film, it was very much. Um, a main character who was, you know, working in, like, the actual adventure of the story, like Star Trek, you are on the Enterprise doing the actual adventures, mm-hmm. but having here be the fact that it's just some kid who just wants to go away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it yeah. kind of that universal effect, even though it's so um, crazy what the film is as, on a macro level. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. print. You have fifth. <laughs> I did. I'm sorry. I'm uh, my sorry. F- <laughs> <laughs> my fifth place is Return of the Jedi. Okay. All right. Um, similar to reasons that you said, it's not the best in terms of being an actual film, mm-hmm. but in terms of an adventure, it's amazing. You know, I still really love it. Yeah. It's just again if my list is that there are four films that I'd love just that little bit more. Yeah. Maybe have a little bit more meaning to me. Um but talking about Return of the Jedi, I want to touch on something I mentioned in the reviews. In the the whole scene with Luke, Vader and the Emperor, it's just mm, magical. <laughs> mm, I just love it. Great. Um and once one thing that I've sort of as I've got older I've sort of understood from it is that Luke sort of wins because of the idea of like having faith in people. Mm, As yeah. You always have to have something to believe in and have, have hope in something. It doesn't necessarily have to be religion. But the fact that Luke makes it out of this is because at the end of the day, he trusts his friends. Yeah. He has faith in his friends and his morals, basically. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, he never loses sight of that. And yeah. the ultimate thing is that, you know, he's standing before the greatest evil of the world and it will be so easy to buckle mm-hmm. and to give in, but he doesn't. He takes it. Takes it like a champ. <laughs> he really does. Um, yeah. And the whole culmination of his faith is ultimately rewarded by what is 
what Vader does in just quite literally shafts Palpatine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he throws him down a great big shaft and he blows up. And it's just so, I feel like it's so heartfelt and it's so perfectly Star Wars. You know, it's wacky. It's a man that can shoot lightning out of his fingers. Again, we look at that, like you said, with A New Hope. We look back and they think, oh, yeah, it's Force Lightning. Yeah. You're watching that for the first time. This dude is literally shooting electricity out of his fingers. Yeah. We've gone from We've gone from moving stuff with his mind to, you know, being a, a human electrical current. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We all want up a whip having fire like, coming out of their hands. <laughs> we are. Um, yeah. So, it, again, it's a special film to me. I just really enjoy it. Yeah. It's such a fun journey. I find the, the barge set piece being really fun. Mm. You know, yeah. Some, some, some good action, you know. Some guy gets yeeted against the sail barge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. And also, I feel like um, there's an aspect of comedy in this film mm-hmm. in some places, which is odd because that level of comedy, I feel like, doesn't exist in the prequels. Mm. Like, there's meant to be jokes in the prequels. Yeah. <laughs> but most of the jokes in the prequels just like, oh, was, was that a joke? Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of that. Whereas there's... In particularly in this one, this this definitely feels like the most fun of the three of the mm. original trilogy. I would like, agree. It's definitely more of like the three people hanging out and having fun of it, <laughs> and saving <laughs> saving the galaxy by chance. Yeah, kind of on a whim. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that was my um my number five. <laughs> it has struck me that um we pretty much have a very similar top four. Yeah. yeah. Um, for the sake of doing it, do you want to like roll through the top four now and we just talk about them all? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Obviously, we'll talk about each film individually, but you know, mm-hmm. because because if we do it sort of, if we continue like four, three, two, one, mm-hmm. you could talk about a film that's fourth, right? That I have maybe first, right? And it's sort of yeah, yeah. yeah. If we do it all at once, it means we can have more of like a discussion about it. I get what you mean. Yeah, we'll do that. Okay, so um, um, do you want to go from four to one? Yeah. 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 So my number four is <laughs> The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, my number three is The Force Awakens. My number two is The Empire Strikes Back. My number one is The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have one the same. <laughs> right. My number four is The Last Jedi. Ooh, okay. My number three is The Force Awakens. Uh. And I mentioned this when we did the ranking before, but my number one and two are almost inseparable. Yeah, yeah. I can't separate them, but for the sake of this list, I have done it for you. <laughs> you and the sake of our listeners, I have I have made a decision. Number two is A New Hope, and number one is Empire Strikes Back. Ooh, Okay. <laughs> Right. So what did you put forth? I put Rise of Skywalker. Okay, do you want to go with that first? We'll do that. Okay. So, okay, yeah, for me, it's a weird experience because every time, and I mean literally every time, someone points out to me some sort of flaw or criticism with this movie, I can 
always in my head go, yeah, I get it. I just don't, I just don't feel it. You know, <laughs> you know yeah. it's it's one of those things where I feel like the reason, because like we think about my list, it's kind of if we're ranking the finales of each trilogy, this is my favorite trilogy ending movie in the entire saga. Um, and I think that's largely because, for me at least, it has that fun, happy ending nature of Return of the Jedi at the same time as having that really kind of depressing, somber kind of tone as Revenge of the Sith at the same time. Like, it's a weird... The ending is slightly bittersweet more than just happy everyone lived um, X-Thing sort of thing. Um, and I feel like for me, I feel, it's one of those things where it's kind of emotion over any sort of like informed critique. <laughs> um, because I know that there's flaws. Like I know for a fact when I was watching it, for the first like 20 minutes, I was so confused. Like not just because of like all of the guffins and all of the, the new elements and all of the all that. It was just the way that the film was like just rushing past all of it. Um, and I feel like it's not just the fact that in the... I think it's all, I think something happened in the edit room of this film and someone just went too far. Like someone... There was like a three-hour movie here, maybe. And someone, decided, someone just made... If, if you go back to the first... If you go to the first 20 minutes of this film, there's a good like... There's a good like six scenes that are, that are scenes definitely by themselves. Whether it's Mustafa and Kylo Ren or Etigal or Raid training and Kylo with the Darth Vader mask. I bet for a fact that those are all scenes by themselves. But for some reason, they're all like spliced together into one sequence of like just concurrent events. And it's really kind of... It's fast, but kind of like I can't keep up because I'm just experiencing too many different not just information but also emotions of like Ray kind of having trouble with her parents history maybe um, but also having the sweetness of her and Leia but also Kylo kind of regretting listening to Palpatine because now it's been revealed that it's Palpatine but also we didn't get that much of um, we didn't get to see that much of Kylo being a murderous like raid lunatic on Mustafar um so it's all like, oh, I like all these scenes. I just wish they were five minutes longer. Um, and then going from that, that for a good like half an hour after this, the film does slow down a bit. But also it's like, it's very much MacGuffin central. Like it's just the dagger and then the Sith Wayfinder and then this thing and then this location and this location and then this Captain credit that gets you through the Imperial whatever. Mm-hmm. It's all like, these are a lot of objects of just being thrown in here that <laughs> are just fixing plot issues um, and I kind of whenever I watch it I kind of am like for the first half an hour like oh no maybe I don't love this film and then like something happens and I don't know even know when I, can, I can't even pinpoint when because I know for a lot of people like uh, you were saying it's like the last 40 minutes or like, the Exegol battle but for mm-hmm. me I think it's for me it's much earlier actually I think it's like I think it's one of the teams, like, number one, together, but also, like, I think when Ray's at her weakest, like, maybe it's just after Kajimi. I think it might be then. Where the film, for me, just becomes really... It gets all together, and I feel like it has enough scenes. I don't think it has the amount of time it should have, but I think it has just enough scenes for me to connect with it emotionally enough. Um, that by the time we get into 
full on J.J. Abrams having the most fun with his blocking. Like the the camera moves in this movie are insane. Um, they are. I mean, the scene of um, the kind of like a montage sequence, I guess, when Paul is saying that what like what our fathers and grandfathers and grandmothers and whatever fought for, we will not lose today. And it's like, like him saying this over John Williams' music, and the mm-hmm. camera is just rushing through. It's like rushing through this entire area where, where everyone's getting into their ships, and that yeah. again we see the big la- the layer ship like rise up. It's like that shot is incredible, and it lasts like two minutes long, and it's it's amazing. Um, and it's it it's J.J. Abrams having a lot of fun, and I can't help but love the way he just visually at least makes films. Um, and for me, um, I think Death Star the Death Star wreckage. And Luke, uh, Kylo, and Han, and Rey, and Luke, and John, <laughs> John, Finn, Finn, and the Stormtrooper, and even Paul, Paul, kind of having that moment of Leia on her deathbed. Um, from then on, I am all in on this movie. I am so like far in on it. I just, I really love the rest of this movie a lot, and I think the sound design is something that doesn't get mentioned enough on Epsigal. The sound design of the lightning striking and the the vibe, oh, God, the vibe, yeah. it's so good um in the visuals of it all and the the stakes and the actual like the geography of like the star destroyers up top and then the exegol planet and then underneath that rare and the emperor it's so it's so good and it's so well scored and so well shot that i can't help but like just enjoy it as pure pure like drama and conflict and entertainment um so whilst yes, my favorite one is the Last Jedi, and I love it for the opposite reasons of how slow it is and kind of methodical, and kind of a bit more like a, um, it's a bit more psychological that film compared to this one, which is very much an adventure into new planets for the most part. Um, I feel like it does enough to continue the mythology of the Last Jedi, whether that be people rising up because of. This, because of the nip of Luke Skywalker, or Rey defining her own identity, or Finn becoming a Stormtrooper leader, or Paul becoming an actual um, caring, like, actual like, kind of a loving sort of leader in a battle who cares more about saving lives and killing enemies. Um, I feel like it all culminates well, well enough for me to look past the first, like, half an hour to 40 minutes of just what happened in the edit room sort of thing. Um, <laughs> And don't get, don't get me wrong, I do think the film still overall as a two-hour experience is still very fast, and I wish it was much slower, but I do think it gets a bit better as it goes along. Um, but yeah, I just, I fucking, I love this movie so much for some reason. And at the end, when, at the end when Rey and Finn and Paul, they hug, I I ever crying so hard. <laughs> oh God, yeah, that hit me as well. Because, I mean, I think the fear of this film was so big for me because I love The Last Jedi so much and all the reviews were so mixed to negative to sometimes positive and the big thing I was seeing was if you love The Last Jedi you will hate this film um, so me I never walking into this film and being so afraid I was like shaking out of nerves because I might hate this film and it might ruin mm-hmm. The Last Jedi so having not only be satisfied by what they did with the, the themes of The Last Jedi but also having the characters all live and Knowing that they didn't die by the end of the saga, <laughs> which is my biggest fear. Um, 
it, it was just a moment of relief. I'm kind of like, oh, they made it at least. <laughs> like, I can always be happy that they, they made it. Um, and I think I think I talked talk about it before, but Ben and Solo um, coming back to the light and therefore at the end doing what his grandfather could not do and actually sacrifice his life um, un, unselfishly. And because I feel like people often see Ben going, uh, Ben dying is a bad thing. Um, like he got his comeuppance for like being an evil guy. For me, it's more like the best thing that he could have done. <laughs> like, I, yeah, yeah People often see death as bad, but I feel like in Star Wars, death is kind of, especially if you're a Jedi or whatever. I feel like it's a good thing. If anything, it's kind of like you can therefore live with Leia, who you always wanted to be with anyway, like as a mother, you always wanted her to be there for you anyway. You get to be with Luke again. Han lives on in your memory and you're not tied down to this to the world that hates you. <laughs> um so I feel like that's the it not only this made sense, but also has made more thematic sense for me looking at the entire saga overall. Um, um and then having the ending, the epilogue, which I guess people point out as being very fan servicey, but for me it just worked totally of like going back to where it all began and burying in the sabers and then getting a new one and then having her be Rhea Skywalker and making it like an ideal um, rather than the bloodline is, it's just so good. And I just love the last shot. And I feel like everyone talks about how, oh, they just used the binary sunset again. But I feel like importantly with this one, like Rhea and BB-8 are like, are the suns, if that makes sense. Like they are, like usually the the suns are off in the distance or to the right of the screen or to the left of the screen. But like this time, like they're directly in the middle alongside Ray and BB-8. Mm-hmm. Oh, I yeah, like, I never noticed like, that before. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I feel like it's very much like a moment of like, oh, we're finally there, <laughs> if that makes sense. Like we're finally at the point where the twin suns are actually like, we're living in the twin suns of like where we were meant to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it's, I just love this film a lot and it makes me cry every time. And it makes me so happy. Um, I wish it was more slow. I wish it a bit more, a bit more emotional groundwork and a bit more character beats. But I'm happy with what we got, and I fucking loved it. <laughs> yeah, I I have to say I'm I'm exactly the same. Mm. It's almost word for word. <laughs> yeah, it sounds cheap me saying that, but honestly, it is. Um, yeah. I love. I just get the emotion from it, and that's all that really matters. Yeah, there are flaws. Mm-hmm. I I don't care. <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. by the themes are all there and everything matters mm-hmm. and it's just a wonderful feeling you get from it. like you said when they hug at the end it's just they've done oh, it it's over. Really, they've done really... it <laughs> <laughs> yeah what's your number four um my number four was last jedi right okay um, yeah, we could talk about that towards the end because you're number one. Oh yeah um, our number three is the same. It's Force Awakens. Yeah, right. Um, it's just a happy, just a happy film, <laughs> which is sad considering one of the one of the Star Wars' the greatest legacy characters are killed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like one of the things I said before is that you know I grew up watching the Star Wars films, and it never occurred to me that we'd actually never get another one. Yeah, it was always yeah. in my mind. I I always thought, oh maybe, maybe, maybe there's one that could do, 
to me with that. But in my mind, it was always as a kid, this is Star Wars, there's no need for anything else. <laughs> I, I never had the burning desire of, oh, I want another one. So I was quite content to just play them over and over again, as my parents will attest to. <laughs> you know, yeah. Many days, just on repeat, New Hope or Empire or or Return of the Jedi. I even went through a phase of playing Attack of the Clones a couple of times. <laughs> the best um, one. <laughs> um, so, you know, the announcement came, the trailer came, beautiful. And part of that, as I've, I've said countless times, I might even, after this, I might even rest this this argument or this point. <laughs> <laughs> I've said that many times, but Rey was just a perfect avatar for that. Like, yeah. when she hears Luke Skywalker, she reacts the same way that we do. And mm-hmm. I do. That little kid within me that used to watch them on repeat reacts the same way that Rey does. Because mm-hmm. she, like us, wants to be part of that legend and she wants to have a part in that. Um... And J.J. Abrams handles nostalgia so well, I think. Oh, you have a, yeah. In this film, you have a perfect blend. You have enough of the originals to sort of kickstart and bring new life into it, or to, you know, to maintain the life of the old one. And then you have enough new blood and new ideas to give it a new life and to give it legs on its own. Um, and, yeah, love the characters, the world. Again, it has that sort of weird anything's possible with this little orange wrinkly satsuma woman <laughs> yeah. with weird with weird like a glass jar lids on her eyes <laughs> yeah um yeah I, I i love that scene when the x-wings the x-wings arrive oh when yeah the music swells and you just see them moving across the water oh it's beautiful beautiful and that that one shot like thing where Paul in the X-Wing like destroys like so many ships in one continuous take. It's yeah, so good. One movement, one sweeping movement. Yeah. So good. Oh. I mean, I feel like everyone, if not everyone, but I feel like it's general complaint that everyone has is the fact that it's a bit too close to a new hope and a bit too and yeah, I would agree that it is a bit like um a retread of the, the general sort of structure of a MacGuffin in a droid on a sand planet. Um, and for me, I never, I never really cared about it. I, I thought it just no, did what. For me, it was like it did what it need, needed to do. Um, the only thing for me that I don't agree with is the whole Starkiller base thing. I feel like anything else would have been good <laughs> at the end um, instead of having another Death Star trench run um, stuff like that. I just don't feel a need to have that there. Um, however. Everything that does happen on that Starkiller base with Rey and Kylo and Han Solo is some of the best we ever seen in the franchise. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I feel like it still manages to do great things with that premise, and just with a different premise to begin with. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I understand that. I think for, again, for me, the criticism has always worked on two levels. In that, a, I don't really care; it's the same. Yeah. And B, yeah, it needs to be. In order to sort of, re-te- re- sort of regain the magic of the originals, mm. but it doesn't matter, and I don't care because it's new enough in other aspects. Oh, definitely, yeah. It's it's a good mix of new and old, and I feel like as people often, and it's weird because it was only five years ago, but people often forget how much people hated Star Wars in 2015, based like based on the prequels. Um, people 
people hated the prequels so much back then, um, and they thought it ruined the entire saga. So I feel like people often forget that to get the feeling back of the franchise, it took like a major sort of like everything's practical now, um, rugged tactile characters, um, a plot structure that's very similar. It took a lot for everyone to just be back on board with the idea of making Star Wars was like back and the feeling of the original trilogy was back compared to the prequels. Um, so I feel like people often forget when they criticize it for being too close to the originals, just how much people wanted that back then. Because people really wanted that back then. Um, every prequel video, video that you saw, saw on YouTube was very much, prequels are bad, originals were good, we should make the new originals again. <laughs> um, so, so I feel like this is a good mix of doing that, but not quite doing that again. Um, and I feel like this film, it just works beautifully. And I can't, in my mind, like, decouple it from the whole hype around it like for me watching it whenever i watch it i can't i can't just watch it like in a singular event it has to be like never 2015 where this is the biggest thing in the world and <laughs> 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 uh, i forget the night as well like coming back from that film was so like euphoric and great um mm. I ideally miss that memory <laughs> when everything was good <laughs> everyone was happy and yeah. There was wonder and hope in, in the hearts of many. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> <laughs> Those are the days. What a, what a shame. Yeah. Um, yeah. So my number number two was A New Hope. Yeah. My number two and number one changed constantly. Mm-hmm. Ask me in a week, A New Hope could be one and Empire could be two. Right. Um, I, I think I'll put Empire at the top of this list for the sake of it being because it's perhaps a more I don't know a more game ch- game changing film. Mm, it's yeah. better as a film. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. There's more emotion behind it. Whereas sometimes I put New Hope top simply because of that magic and the sense of adventure. I just love a New Hope so much. <laughs> even even now, I mean, you know, you look at the models, whatever. And I never, even now, I never question, oh, that doesn't look good. Mm. To me, it always looks good. Oh, And this will never good. age. The only, you know, that, that film look is just the aesthetic of it. Mm-hmm. And again, yeah. it's such a beautiful film. Binary Sunsets is, for me, I, I would argue that that is the most beautiful shot ever committed to film. It's pretty good, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the most beautiful visual. Um, the trench run still gives me goosebumps. Mm. When Han arrives, yeah. that, little, that little Yahoo he gives. <laughs> great, great stuff. And Darth Vader spinning off into the into, into nothing. Yeah, we might see him again. Who knows? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, my number one, obviously, is Empire, which I think is your number two. Yeah, my number two. Why do you even begin with it? I mean, it's a big one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I said it in my Instagram review, but it's like it is kind of like the blueprint for all good sequels to go and follow. Because um, mm-hmm. it starts out very, it doesn't. It starts out very Star Wars two in a sense that it's very much the same thing, what you would expect at least. But I think going into Act two, where every character splits off into different storylines and has their more the most development that they, that they could have, um, Han and Leia and Luke and Yoda. Um, mm-hmm. It does not only it doesn't just deepen the world, but it also makes his characters much more engaging as actual 
changing people. Um, and I think it's a great example of just how you you should treat your sequel and make it not darker, just deeper and a bit more caring towards the characters and a bit more. You've done the groundwork of setting up the characters and where they're at. You can now just relax into challenging them with different characters, like new characters. Um, and I feel mm. like that's the, the big thing about this movie is the fact that it challenges the first film in a lot of ways. And obviously in the end has the, the big twist of like the thing you thought was the biggest evil is actually, you know, it's you're related to it. Uh, it's your dad. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think it adds not just new worlds, new planets, but I think it adds a lot of. I think it's probably the movie that starts out a lot of the conversations around like fear and destiny and all these other things and metaphors in the Star Wars world and all that from this film because it has the time to be this sort of methodical and deep about the entire thing. Um, but still, you know, bonkers and crazy and all the ways it should be. Um, mm. yeah. yeah, I think it has, like you said, the classic thing of it's a bigger challenge. It challenges everything that you know from the previous film. It challenges everything that the characters sort of won in the end. Mm. Yeah. Um, I, I find it a testament to it in that they don't do that. Like a lot of things often think that, you know, you have to... In order to provide that challenge, you have to have something that's bigger and better. Mm-hmm. And the villains physically got to be bigger, or or something like that. <laughs> Whereas this film achieves it with actually the in terms of the physical stakes. Like in the first film, you have the whole rebellion's basically at stake. Yeah. If they destroy, if they destroy Yavin, it's all over. Yeah. The rebellion isn't at stake in this one. But in that, a way, the stakes are higher. It's very, it's more personal. The stakes. Yeah, and the the stakes are more personal, but they're also higher. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. you, you could argue that saving, saving his friends in this one is more important to Luke than destroying, than saving Yavin was in the first one. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, and I think that's a great testament to understanding how to do that in a sequel. Mm-hmm. The fact that you don't have to have this big, bigger, badder. Death Star 2 is three times the size of the first one. (laughs) All you have to have is a compelling emotional journey that challenges what each character believes. Mm -hmm. Like Leia Leia sort of has her conceptions about Han changed. Han has his conceptions about himself changed. Yeah. Um, And Luke obviously perhaps goes through the most art because he's the protagonist, but he learns what it's meant to be a Jedi. Mm -hmm. Or starts to. Yeah, and they make some big mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> and again, you have quite a lot of... In Yoda, you have an iconic character that's born from really, really touching dialogue. Yeah. And the stuff he says is, is philosophical, but it's actually really, really powerful. Like the one quote that everybody uses is, do or do not, there is no try. But the quote I always come back to is that, um, I think when, when he's talking to Luke... He mentions that um, when he explains the force, like he touches his shoulder and he says, "We are more than this this flesh." Crude matter. <laughs> yes, that's it. Yeah, it's just beautiful. And as well, I think you quoted it in your review um, the line, or you said it before, the line where he says, um, "Luke says I don't believe it," and then Yoda says, "And that is why you fail." Mm, yeah, Yoda so good. Is, 
Yoda's just oh. So and I also find Yoda and another character is really tragic when you consider his whole story. Yeah, kind like, of. <laughs> you have him introduced in Empire as this little wacky thing mm-hmm. that's hitting R two D two with a stick <laughs> and stealing his stealing Luke's food. Mm. But then when you sort of try and wear that down, he's actually a really sad little little Yoda. <laughs> he is, yeah. He's got no one. He's sort of given up on hope in a way. Yeah. Because he refused to train Luke. Um, that's that's partly why I love his arc in the arc in the Clone Wars. Like, what 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 would be the ending if it wasn't the season seven? Mm. Um, one of the things again, looking back at the Clone Wars, um, I know I've gone back to the Clone Wars, <laughs> but in a way, that arc at the end of season six, I would I would, if you were telling me that there would be no more Clone Wars after that. Without knowing how good Caesar Mandalore would be, mm. I'd have told you that I'd be quite happy with that as a quite a potent end to the Clone Wars. Same, yeah. Because it just ties in with the new with Empire so well, and Empire is Yoda's finest hour, I'd say. And <laughs> agree. Being in a film, but um, yeah, I love him. He's great, Yoda. Yeah, he's a lovely little guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like for me, it's just a. It's just like a warm film in general, but it's weirdly dark. So the warmth of it is like kind of like upped to the max, like out of all the films. Um, it's just like a dire situation, but like the like kind of the heartfelt Yoda speeches and Luke and Leia getting back to each other and Han and Leia falling in love. It's so like warm and fuzzy, but it's also like at any point these people could really just die. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, like, this is warm footy, but I'm pretty sad. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Boba I pop around a corner any minute and go, ha I gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At any point. <laughs> yeah. It's a, I fucking love this film a lot. And I watch it a lot because it's just, mm. it's so fun, but also just so lovely. <laughs> so touching, you know. Forms it's, the soul. Yeah. The Han and, and Leah theme as well. I mm. love all the music in this film. Oh, have you so have you seen that have you seen that thing about um um when when something happened when before Han gets frozen mm-hmm. I think Chewie kicks off <laughs> and he starts throwing stormtroopers about and Boba Fett goes to shoot him and Darth Vader stops him mm-hmm. and then somebody says that that could be because um, Chewbacca saved Ahsoka during the Clone Wars <laughs> oh. And Darth Vader's like, you know what, leave it, fam. You know what? You know what? I wouldn't believe it. <laughs> That's my canon now. That's my head canon. <laughs> yes. But anyway, um, even without all the supplement material that I've talked about, it's just it'll be as good as it is anyway. For its yeah. philosophical and heartfelt nature. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> oh, amazing. Yeah. Uh, Your right. number one, mm-hmm. my number four, mm-hmm. the Last Jedi. This is controversial. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I fucking love this movie so goddamn much. Um, not only is this my favorite in the saga, um, if we're looking at the 2010s and the entire blockbuster run, you got your Avengers and all that stuff, and you got your San and. <laughs> um, what a for some sense. reason Last Jedi 
Avengers and San Andreas all in the same category. Look, okay, they were all big films. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I kind of forgot about San Andreas. Same. Don't know why I came to my mind. <laughs> um, this film was definitely my favourite of the blockbusters of that entire decade. Um, the feelings I got from this film have never been uh, matched by any sort of the scale, um, any sort of movie off its scale in, in the past 10 years. And I just, I fucking loved it so much. And I I love the fact that the movie opens with this amazing uh, star, starship battle, but it isn't just that. Like, it could have easily been just that, and I would have been happy. Um, but the fact that it's this weird sort of, this sort of meta take on the people that we lose in these battles and what true leadership is and Paul from the get-go is all, already a more interesting character um, based upon this. Um, and it has that, it has, already from the get-go, it has that weird and wacky theme of Star Wars of um, something um, of like a ma- your mama joke <laughs> uh, about hooks. Um, it has so many little moments of that that I just love and I feel like it's Star Wars at its best for that reason. Like I feel like people, people in their mind, I think, because of the general idea that Empire is the dark sequel, um, coming to the last Jedi, they were so against comedy at all <laughs> that having the your mama joke or the the nun character, nun um, alien characters on the island, they were so against that because it was a hint of comedy in this movie. <laughs> you know, um, I always found that really weird. But um, yeah, I feel like it's one of those movies where it's very special in the sense that it's a big blockbuster with explosions and starships and lightsabers but it's also like every scene has some sort of meaning towards it and every scene is like building up the idea of the characters in mind and like what they're dealing with and how um outcome this and i love the entire i know it's controversial to say this but i love the entire canto bite sequence i think that's an incredible set and i think that the entire chase was a bit too cgi for the a bit too CGI is, is also great, and I love, I love having the fact that each character gets like a devil and an angel on the shoulder. So like Rey gets Luke and and Kylo, um, uh, Kylo gets Rey, Rey and Snoke. Um, Finn has Rose and DJ. Poe has Leia and Holdo, um, and they all have these sort of like devil and angels of like what they could be. Um, and I think it's a, it's just a fascinating movie. The fact that it's so developed and it's so thought out and meticulously crafted and every scene is going somewhere for these characters and making them much more deeper than they would ever get a chance to be if they were just doing a, a galaxy hopping adventure finding a MacGuffin, which is what you would assume they would be doing um, in a big movie like this mm-hmm. um, and the fact, I mean again I know people don't like it that much but I love the fact that this movie has us slowly crawling away from a big Star Destroyer, barely surviving. Um, and in the end, we don't really win. We just kind of get away with some people that were that happened to live through it. Um, yeah, I, and I love that. At the end, when Leia says, and literally holds the Skywalker saber in Rey's hand and says, we have everything that we need. And it's a big, clear, wide shot of everyone on the Millennium Falcon being really friendly and happy that they just made it through it. And then going from that to some often poor slave kid being inspired by the Luke Skywalker myth that he, that he revitalized by coming by coming to the planet of Kraut at the end, and having that be like the hope of the galaxy going forward, that anyone can be in the story and 
everyone to be more active rather than passive as they have been for the past 20 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a fucking great movie. And the highlight, of course, for me is definitely Ray and Luke um, and Kylo. I feel like they are, they are the, main, the main reason that I am, like, pulled towards this movie. And I think every scene with them is perfectly executed. Um, same thing with Paul as well. I know people have problems with Holdo not telling Paul about the plan. But to me, it just always made sense. Why would you tell this idiot guy about the actual plan when he could be, number one, a spy. Number two, he just got demoted for killing a lot of people. Um, Paul's kind of an idiot for the most part of this movie. And I kind of mm-hmm. love his big, big arc of like, just at the end when, I, it's so heartwarming at the end when he says to everyone what the plan is about how we're going to escape from the, like, the back end of this cave. And she, everyone looks towards Leia like, can we do this? And she goes, just look at Paul, he's the leader now. <laughs> Fucking follow him. It's just a great little moment. And it's just like a, it's not just the fact that we see an arc happen in this movie, but we see the effects of that arc happen in the surprise fourth act, which I fucking love. This movie has four acts, and I just realised that on my, on my recent, because at the end of, at the end of the, the, the Ray and Kylo fight in the snork room, it's definitely like, this could be the end of the movie. Like, like we have gotten into the big climax. Finn has defeated um, Fazman, proclaimed himself to be an actual rebel this time around. Um, Poe has learned much more than he used to. They're going towards Crit. Um, it could be the end. Like this is that big fight, and the Skywalker series has been cut in half. But having this weird, amazingly done fourth act on Crit, that's just this big last battle that could easily go wrong. <laughs> um, and having Ray come in with the Millennium Falcon and just barely save everyone um, and being the last Jedi, being the last hawk for these people. Um, and having Kylo and Luke face off and Luke actually be a Jedi and be like, like a pacifist about it all and not actually fight him. Mm. Um, not even actually being, just being being the story that he needs to be, like the big myth that he needs to be to save everyone and be an actual Jedi this time. It's just a great moment, and his death scene is so fucking perfect. Mm. Um, I think it's that, all... that final scene with um, where he's facing down Kylo, mm-hmm. one of the lines in that, I think, is probably one of my favourite ever uses of a film's title. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> for me, I, I adore it. When when Luke says, he says, like, he obviously says, hey, amazing every word, what you just said is wrong. Yeah. But then he just finishes it off and he says, like with a, with a smile on his face, and he says, and I will not be the last Jedi. Yeah. Oh, oh what so a good. line. Yeah. What a line. I think this film gets pointed out a lot for being depressing or like it's saying Star Wars is bad and we should grow beyond it. Because for me, it's saying the exact opposite. It's just saying that, in fact, the only character that does say that is Kylo Ren, and he's clearly the one in the wrong. Um, he's saying kill the past and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't get that. I don't uh, know how people can interpret that so wrongly. Yeah, it's so weird to me that, that that came across to everyone. But to me, it's clearly the theme of the movie is looking back at the past and actually examining the big mistakes that we all made in the prequels and the originals even, and in between the originals and the sequels as well. And investigating that and literally looking at every side of uh, every side of it so like with Ray, um, Raid getting told about Kylo and Luke's backstory we see that happen three times all of which are different examples of how it could have happened and 
I think that's a great kind of boiling down this movie into one thematic point of like it looks back at the entire saga and looks back at it at all its like ugly points and bright points and bad like just bad decisions that everyone made or good decisions that everyone made and it ultimately decides that um these big failures are intrinsic with actual success and life and happiness and the happy ending because if you don't learn from those mistakes then you're not really going to do much um, going forward so I think Luke at the end actually being the myth that he saw hated in the beginning of the film it's just a great fucking idea of like because essentially looking at the sequel trilogy as a whole what that trilogy is saying is that stories therefore movies books whatever are the most important thing that we have because they can do these amazing things of inspiring people because someone, despite their flaws and failures, can be like this good and this like hopeful still. Um, and I think it's, a, it's just an amazing film. I can't believe it. Not only that it got made, but it got made so well by a director who was if, potentially his first time working on a big budget Star Wars in space thing, you know? Um mm-hmm. I, just, I can't I wait for the Ryan Johnson trilogy. I hope it's still happening. I, so I do I. That. God, I need it so bad. <laughs> uh, imagine what you could do with a full trilogy. I can't even begin to imagine. Like, I can't... Ah, it's so good. <laughs> uh, I want it. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think one of the things it also does well, which in lines with the fact that it's embracing the past and not not it's not tearing it down it's embracing it is that i think the sequence with yoda mm-hmm. is perhaps the most truest to the original yoda than we have have, have ever had yeah yeah i agree <laughs> it's it yeah. just because it has that it has yoda's sort of playful nature in it as well like that the the yoda that steals luke's food <laughs> you have that. You have that laughing at Luke as he blows up the tree. Yeah. And again, it's like Yoda always delivers like the most powerful quotes in Star Wars. You mm-hmm. can't deny that he delivers. It's not just like powerful quotes in Star Wars. It's powerful quotes for everything. Oh yeah. Definitely. Like I remember, it's like it's like um, the first one he says is the greatest teacher failure is. Mm-hmm. And then the other one he says is that um, is it we are what they grow beyond. That is the true burden of all masters. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yoda, so fucking good. <laughs> what a guy! <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it just so much. Like, he could just be there doing his little things. Doing he could just be there and be a cameo and be really cool. But the fact that he's there and he's essentially once again. It being like the mouthpiece for the entire story and like telling almost telling the audience through Luke like what this is all about. Mm-hmm. Um it's so this is a great use of him. But also they don't forget the characters has this like kind of a wacky nature to him. Like the fact that he blows up the tree and then sort of like does a little tap dance essentially. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's just a great moment of like, oh, like Yoda, like Yoda, Yoda is back. Not just prequel Yoda, this Yoda is back. Mm-hmm. Um, and similar, I just love the parallel going to Rise of Skywalker of Luke doing the thing, like doing the thing we always wanted him to do, but not for himself or someone else. So like we are what they grow beyond. 
uh, Luke finally gets the X-Wing out of the water, but he isn't giving it to himself to do some sort of cool shit. It's to give it to the next generation to face their fears. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's just a, just a great like crystallization of like what you're seeing into an actual action in the next film. And I feel like as a sequel trilogy goes on, um, as people will go on about why it's all disconnected and disjointed, I can never see it like that because I think at least thematically it all ties in very, very well. Um, and it just works so well for me. And having, I think like the midpoint of the entire trilogy is this Yoda and Luke scene, which is just perfect. Like, it's just perfect. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I kind of, the reason it's four for me is that, again, part of it is because I just love the other three more. Yeah, yeah. Not that I have anything against this. I love that Yoda scene. I love everything with Luke and Ray. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm probably opposite in with you in that I'm not the biggest fan of Canto Bright. Mm, yeah. Okay. Uh, and like I said earlier, there was some part of me once wanted there to be more time of the three of them together. Mm, yeah. But Fair if if I did, you couldn't have Ray and Luke on on Acto together. Which is something that I would never be able to sacrifice. Never. At the end of the day, if, if you if you were to offer me the three of them on the ship together, instead of Luke and Ray, or Luke and Ray and they're maybe not together, I would pick Luke and Ray. Yeah. So. Um. So again, that that's like a little minor thing. I think if you maybe don't have Canto Bright, you could have more with Ray and Poe, not Ray and Poe, Finn and Poe, mm, which could yeah. be good. Yeah. Again, I, I wouldn't want to change it for the world. Like you said, I think I think Ryan Johnson's such a phenomenal mm. artist. <laughs> to get pretentious. Just see, yeah, I just want to see him do more work anywhere. You know, this, just the more from Ryan Johnson, the better we are as a human mm-hmm. race. <laughs> Could you know, because his his last two films, this one and Knives Out, are honestly phenomenal films. Oh yeah, they're so intelligent yeah. as well, though. Not just you... enjoyable, just intelligent, and they have that they have that quintessential, not necessarily moral of the story, but also kind of moral of the story mm. vibe to them. In that you feel like you feel like your soul is improving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know like, you, you know, in um, have you ever seen anything about the Good Place? No, I haven't. No, well, there's like I know a what rating it... system where like your soul goes up and down based on points. Watching a Ryan Johnson film, you can just feel like your points are going up. <laughs> Getting two points every scene. Uh-huh. <laughs> I do want to say, um, since The Rise of Skywalker, there has been this weird, weird thing that I never expected. Because there's a lot of people that I respect on social media and YouTube that I follow that, that love Last Jedi and even like The Force Awakens, but who hate The Rise of Skywalker, but uh, they're weirdly, considering that everyone hit every, every one of the fans was like really against the Last Jedi, and where people that loved it were very much like, um, just at least respect it. Don't you have to like it? Just don't be so mean towards everyone that worked on the film. So I feel like it's weird seeing people that said that who loved the Last Jedi be so fucking mean to the Rise of Skywalker. I know it's so odd. It's a, I hate it so much because people that I was like honestly respect on. Twitter and all sorts that I'd follow that love these films and but hate the Rise of Skywalker. They're so mean. So mean. And it's so fascinating watching them not give any sort of credit towards that film and 
not even remotely like scratched beneath like the surface level of like what that film could be talking about. Um, watching, because I feel like whenever I see hear them talk about Dryer Skywalker, it's never they don't attempt to do the same thing they did with Last Jedi, which is trying to find a meaning beneath every scene. Um, it's always like this surface level, like oh, it's just fan service. It's just Luke and the X-wing and Rey's Palpatine because fan service and mm. and all this sort of stuff. And I like Emperor's back because it's fan service. Like, but like think about it like as like an actual like meaningful thing. Like just think about it like that for one second. Play if you don't like it, that's fine. But like, don't be so from the get go just so mean about it because it wasn't just obviously like the most like a Ryan Johnson movie again. You know. Which I would have loved, but like, it's so weird seeing how mean they are, and I I hate it. I really do. <laughs> we all just want to love it. Let us love it. Let's Let us love, love it. all of it. Let, let me love both. <laughs> yeah, I think that sort of brings us to an end. Unless you got anything else you want to add? Um, I don't think so. I'm happy. <laughs> right, so that's we've come to the end of our Star Wars ranking. Do you want to just rattle through fourteen to one? Uh yeah. Um Go okay. first. so fourteen to one. So Attack of the Clones is my my least favourite. Mm-hmm. Then the Phantom Men, then Rogue One, then Solo, then Revenge of the Sith, then the Mandalorian, uh then Rebels, then Top Half, Return of the Jedi, then Clone Wars, then A New Hope, then The Rise of Skywalker, then then The Force Awakens and then Empire Strikes Back, and number one is The Last Jedi. Okay. Mine is uh, 14 Phantom Menace, the mirror of Attack of the Clones, Solo, Revenge of the Sith, Rogue One's 10th, 9th is Mando Season 1, mm. uh, 8 is Rebels, 7 is Rise of Skywalker, 6 is The Clone Wars, 5 Return of the Jedi, 4 The Last Jedi. Three Force Awakens, two A New Hope, one Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. There we go. That's been good. That's been good. <laughs> good two episodes. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Um, uh, do you want me to take us home, or do you want to do it? Um, I'll do it. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay. So thank you for listening. Uh, we had a lot of fun here talking about the Star Wars movies because you know they're good movies. So if you enjoyed this, give us a follow on on Instagram at, at Marvel Cinema, Cinema Podcast. Uh, we're doing Indiana Jones in review and some other reviews at the same time. Um, also Twitter at Cinema Marvelous, doing the same thing over there, but, you know, just Twitter and big words. Um, yeah. So we're doing the new, new episode next Monday, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Thank you very much. Have a good day. Bye. Bye.